Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to Cult Following. We're doing a special episode this time. We've got Adam in the guest uh, talker position as our co-host, along with me, Victor Moreno. Uh, Kirby and Joshua T. are out on assignment this weekend, which is to say they're on vacation. So we're getting a semi-OG cult following going on this weekend. Remember, folks, when you want to learn about Phoenix Film news, criticism, commentary, collectibles, check out Cult Following, cultfollowing.co. Follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes. On this episode, we're just going to chat about some of the movies that are going on right now. We've been watching a lot of stuff. We've been watching Suspiria. Me and Adam both took separate trips to Minnesota, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the stuff that's been going on at the Alamo Draft House, where where Adam is the... What is your position at Alamo nowadays? Uh, projection and presentation manager. So, anytime you see an awesome presentation at the Alamo Draft House, that is Adam's job. That is his jam, making sure you get And it. if it doesn't look good, it's not my fault. Yes, exactly. So, if you want to see the best movie presentation in town, go to the Alamo Draft House in Tempe and Chandler, you know, because they mask movies properly there. True fact. True fact. So, right now, uh, Adam is looking at some of the recent screeners we've been getting in here at Cult Following Headquarters. Because, as you guys know, awards season is coming up. I know next week is when uh, the Phoenix Film Critics Society movie screenings ramp up. I think I have like five movie screenings next week. I, I get to go see Roma. I get to see uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. I get to see um, The Girl in the Spider's Web. Lots of stuff. Which that um, kind of came out of nowhere. Spider's Web. Boy. I know. I don't, I don't think it looks really good. Like I said, we had um, a friend of mine saw a test screening of it a few months ago. And it's basically like, he said it's like a ripoff of Skyfall. Hmm. But then my friend, my other friend who read the book said the book is a ripoff of Skyfall. You know, Well, um, it just looks like all the other ones. Yeah, it's just weird because the last trailer, I, I feel like the other trailer has been trying to play it off like it's more like the girl with the dragon tattoo, the one I saw yesterday, before Suspiria is more like, no, it's just totally like a James Bond movie. It's more motorcycles. Yeah, and like her it's sister. like, oh, she's on a motorcycle. Well, again. the trailer, I feel, gives away the entire movie. Like, uh, I was zoning out. I wasn't even paying attention. Oh, no, the new trailer totally gives away the whole thing. Like, the bad guy is her sister, and she's like an albino. Like Spoilers. They, this is the trailer, man. Oh. Yeah. It's not like I watched it. You know, I feel like I watched the whole movie, you know. And yeah, uh, No, it didn't It didn't grab my attention. Yeah. The other thing that's been uh, going on since we talked about collectibles, uh, Adam's going through them right now. Walmart right now is doing these uh, retro VHS-themed Blu-rays. And uh, I picked up a couple uh, not that long ago. It's uh, Big Trouble in Little China and The Crow. Uh, basically, it looks like... The VHS case, since it's not the same dimension, it looks like the video sliding out. Oh the well, side. Look, yeah, look at these stupid pieces of crap. Oh yeah, literally, it's the, just the the regular Blu-ray. It's with the, the regular Blu-ray slip. with a slipcase, you know. And it's funny because literally every copy I have of Big Trouble in Little China is the exact same thing. Yeah, it, you know they did this with with the Deadpool, um, a while back. Yeah, like no, the X Men and all that yeah, stuff, like and whatever Deadpool other movies. Deadpool was on like the cover of every Ferris break. Bueller and yeah. whatever, and uh, it was just a slipcover. That I think I think we mentioned, or I talked to you before about this. Is like I 
don't want to buy the movie again, can I just buy the slipcover? Yeah, like Screen Factory does that. When you buy like a special edition, it comes with like choice of multiple slipcovers. Yeah, but the I don't think that need to kills buy the me movie if you again. look at the side, the the side thing, like the VHS thing, usually yeah. looks like the logo of the movie, and these just look like yeah, the bad like, text. Yeah, I, stickers. Yeah, it just VHS. doesn't. Look it even has a little. Uh, punch out but they're actually not punched out yeah they're not so you could so you can you could have taped over these <laughs> but uh i think Milton see Cruz- that's that's where the millennial side of the design went in where they didn't really know how a vhs tape yeah works. and it's like i like the the ones like the stranger things more where it looks like a fake videotape i yes. guess they did a one for summer of 84 that's like a uh, german exclusive which is like the exact same thing a giant videotape right and mill creek is doing it too uh, for a bunch of them, like movies that weren't even on VHS, like John Wick. Um, but I do want the one for Happy Birthday to me, just because I really like that movie, and I don't have a Blu-ray of it. Mm-hmm. And they're only five bucks at Walmart, so it's not terrible to pick up some of these movies in a non-budget, like four four movies on one disc. Which I like. I really don't like that. I like having like each movie on a disc. Yes, because it drives my wife to organize the movies as a as a different category on the shelf really so if it has if it's a double feature a quad feature one of those like 100 packs or whatever she doesn't put it alphabetically in order because if it's like a Dario Argento something or other yeah and has like inferno and and i don't know what else like deep red or something you know like where do you put that do you put it under inferno or Deep Red, because in alphabetical, it, it's first. Do you put it under Dario Argento? Do you put it under D for Dario? A for Argento? Right. So she, so all the, all the movies at the very last one, um, you know, she has like the criterion section. And then, you know, there's, uh, I think like documentary, educational, instructional stuff. And then the very last one is the box sets. So sometimes I get confused. Sometimes I don't even know we have something until I'm like, and do we have blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's in one of the multi-packs in the you know, last row. See, and that like, makes, oh, okay. That, that makes my life difficult because I've bought the same movie more than once because I yes. didn't recognize the cover. I'm like, why do I have this? RoboCop is the one that's like that. Like, Because mm-hmm. for a while, like a few years ago, they kept putting out different versions of RoboCop. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the X-rated version. This is the 4K whatever. And then one day, like, do I have this already? I'm like, why do I have four different versions of RoboCop? Because each had, like, a slightly different cover. Right. And uh, you think at some point, we would be like, well, I already bought that movie. You know, this yep. this this is one of those things. I That's why I don't like multi-packs. I don't want to get into the whole thing like those, like, uh, movies about Bigfoot, movies about robots. You know, I, like, do alphabetical, and usually that does it, although right now I'm so far behind on my uh, putting things together. And I'm selling some stuff off just because, like, I have too many box sets, too. So mm-hmm. it's, like, just, you know, if, I'm, if I've had something for a year or more and I haven't watched it, I, I feel like maybe I should get rid of it. Sure. Especially now since I have, like, digital copies of most everything. Unless it's in moratorium, why hang on to it if you haven't watched it? Oh, yeah. Well, you never know what's in moratorium nowadays. Like, you know, I like I wanted Trick or, trick or Treat in um, Dismember the Alamo, and then it turns out it was in moratorium, which mm. didn't make any sense to me because they just put out the new Screen, uh, screen Factory, Shout Factory version mm. of it, 
I'm like, you'd think they'd want to show that off. We had Zombie 4K in December, the Alamo, and right. that doesn't even come out till the end of November, you know? Yeah. I just don't really understand how a lot of this stuff works. But know? that was through Eggplay, right? Uh, no, Zombie was through a uh, Grindhouse release. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that. I just didn't know if it, because Alamo so, uh, you know, handshakes with Agfa, so I didn't know if they were like, okay, well, now you, you get the, the exclusive 4K. Yeah, I feel like Alamo's the only one playing with the Zombie 4K, so maybe that's some kind of deal. I wouldn't be shocked if Grindhouse ends up under Agfa at some point, like Severin and a lot of these other studios do. Excuse me. Sure. You know. But it should be fun. I don't know. I like. I like the Agfa catalog right now. It's pretty strong, so we had like oh, yeah. a lot of fun picking stuff out of there. Oh, like I told you when I looked at it, uh, what was available, I, I I couldn't even get past the A's and B's without picking at least like ten or fifteen things. I know, uh, like right off the bat, that I was kind of surprised that they had. Um, but the the speak speak about you know I haven't I haven't been picking up stuff. I haven't been. Seems like I'd always if if we were shopping at Target. For groceries or whatever, uh, you'd peruse the the video area. I don't think there's been stuff that I don't remember the last thing that I actually like picked up. Going, oh, that's out. Okay, I'm gonna go pick that up. No, didn't you just buy like that super version of Mandy? Well, I was, that's what I was getting to. Is that? But you know, that's that's a UK thing. That's yeah. a, that was a pre order. That should come in the next couple weeks. That looks that looks pretty sweet. Um, uh, boy, no, I. D- well, the VOD, I did watch uh, a movie that you couldn't really go into describing without spoiling or giving enough praise to uh, suggest it to people without giving away things. Spoiling it, I suppose, or what What the big twist is. What movie How is it that? changes pace, and, or not pace, but just the... the, 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 the you didn't even expect it to go there. I'm sorry, I'm building it up a little bit too much. Sorry All to bother right. you. Sorry to bother. I like that movie. I know you did. Oh, dude, that movie was so good. Um, you can't really explain it to people. No, but I, I kept saying of... it was kind of like Repo Man. Yeah, like well, not Urban Repo Man, but it's like Repo Man meets I'm Gonna Get You Sucker or something. You know, what did I? It's because it's realistic too. You know. Yeah, Repo Man is like the closest thing I could find to describing it to people. Uh, what did I? I was I was thinking of different directors that it that kind of popped in my head with it. I mean, it's kind oh, of Michelle Gondry. There's a run there, Gond- there. Yeah, Gondry. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of a Kevin Smith vibe to it. Some Spike Lee. Yeah, I could see that. Like um, Michelle. Oh, it's kind of like like Be Kind Rewind with like a side of Repo Man. Yeah. Sort of. I don't know. I, it's like the the uh, the subject matter is what makes it weird. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if what we learned halfway through the film if I was totally on board with it. I was super into it, but I feel like the ending kind of like threw me off. Like I was like, "Oh man, that was really awesome," but then the ending was kind of eh. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of torn with that one. I mean, I it's, like, it's I freshly in my brain. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't. It's not going to be in my top ten for yeah. the year, but uh, I did appreciate it. It it just it wasn't what I expected. Ultimately, in the end, it might be in mine, but like to be fair, I still I feel like all the heavy hitter stuff is going to come out in the next month or so. Oh sure. Yeah. Like. 
seriously, everyone has been talking up Roma like it's the second coming of Christ. So, <laughs> yeah, like I, I was like, uh, the screening for Roma is like at 4 p.m. this Thursday, and I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I can make it. And they're like, could you see it tonight at 7:15? Wow, geez. like they really wanted me to see it. I'm like, all right, cool, I'll go see it. You know, like I have to take off work early. That's going to be a weird double feature. It's going to be Roma and Ralph Breaks the Internet. Ah. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, movie about Mexico in the 70s and Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. That'll be funny. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. But I don't know. I, I really like Sorry to Bother You. I guess they're doing, like, a screening, I think, sometime this week at Sun Devil Stadium with Boots Riley there. And that's going to be fucking weird. They're showing the movie on the Titan Tron or, you know, the, yeah. the Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do, like, a Q&A. Well, ASU just did one. No, no, that's didn't what it, I'm talking about. It's at Sun Devil Stadium. Didn't one already happen, or has that just been advertised it's for been like advertised the last like, for two like months? Two or three months. Okay. Yeah, and it's like I kind of wish, like, hopefully, we'll get to a point where, like, well, why don't they just do it at Alamo? Well, that's what I was about to say. I would, I would think at some point, hey, you know, what's not, they're not going to get enough people to fill up Sun Devil Stadium. I'm sorry, no, that thing is. A, they have graduations there, and like. You know, giant games. I mean, I went to the one they did for Shape of Water, and they had to struggle to get like thirty-five or forty people there with Doug Jones doing the Skype Q and A. Oh, so he actually wasn't there. Yeah, and they tricked us because literally, like, a bunch of people started leaving as soon as they were like, "Oh yeah, he's here via telepresence." So like, you hear people booing. Like, you, we all brought stuff to get signed, right? You know? So I don't even know if Boots Riley's going to be there. Like, well, and then I'm glad that I didn't make an effort to get out to Shape of Water. I mean, yeah. I was working. I knew that I, I had a movie party. I can't remember what it was that I had to run. But, uh, you know, if Anne went, you know, she would have been taking time out of her yeah. precious sleep time. Because time time. <laughs> right. wasn't, wasn't it like on a weeknight or something? It was something? on a weeknight. It was like, and then uh, we went and I was like, wow, there's barely anybody here. And Kirby showed up with his friend and like literally like there's barely anyone here. And like this is gonna be awesome. We'll get some cool hang time, and then it's like, oh yeah, he's here via Skype from Toronto. It's like, you know. And here's the thing: I have no problem with Skype Q and A's. I talked about this last time. Just be upfront about it. Like yeah. I feel like that's a trick when you say someone's gonna be there. Just say you're gonna be there. Like the Barbara Crampton one I mm-hmm. did was really cool. And oh, he did one with uh, the director of Dave Made a Maze. Yeah. Done a few of them. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and that's, I mean, right up front, that's what, it, that's within the title of the ad. Yeah. The promotion is, you know, Dave Made a Maze with da 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 via Skype. Yeah. Q&A afterwards, you know. So. Yeah. No. Which would have gone better, like I said, sorry to toot my own ass here, but Alamo, uh, because that's you know there's there's certain expectations that wow why am I getting a phone call I never get phone calls sorry it's all oh, buzzing no. in the background well I, I'm starting I, sidetrack mm-hmm. all this all this these 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 ads for uh, the political shit is driving me crazy oh yeah robocalls I've been getting those so I get robocalls. Um, and then all the stuff that's on the TV, I want to propose something out into the, the, the ether world. If you're 
if you're a registered voter and you vote and uh Anne mailed in her her vote in, instead of like maybe getting like your little sticker or whatever if you if you do the mail in vote cuz she did it like last i think last i think before we left uh last week on vacation mm-hmm. uh so you know there's a whole like week there and now everything's ramping up you can't turn on the television without these ads you don't even see McDonald's ads anymore. If you do, the the elect is like standing there in McDonald's and trying to sell you a burger at the same time that they're saying we want to build a wall or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is if you vote early, you should get like this electronic chip or something that you can put like behind your TV that will not play those ads. Right. Like something that you can just hit a switch or put in a code. And then it won't play those ads anymore. What they're ki- they're driving me crazy. What kills me every year they do, dude. What kills me is I like I've disconnected from pretty much everything. Even my Hulu's ad free. Anything I get an ad for, it's a political ad. Spotify, yeah. Arthur McSully, blah 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 blah. YouTube, I'm like, dude, I'm so over it. Like, yep. You're just trying to drive me to pay for everything so I don't ever see it. Oh, I know, and I came really close with YouTube. Yeah. At this point, I almost. The thing I hate they do about YouTube is, like, on your phone, if you, like, you can't have it playing in the background unless you pay for YouTube TV now. What do you mean? Like, if you have, oh, I'm in my car, I'm going to play a song or something, okay. and then you shrink the application, that oh. turns the whatever you're playing off. Unless you pay for YouTube. Huh. Yeah, so that's why you Spotify in my car now. You think they were our sponsors, alas, they are not. <laughs> well, you know, people got People want to make money. I do like Spotify. Spotify is awesome. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I want to know about the Neil Breen movie because I really wanted to go to that. Oh, you just got to know everything about Neil Breen. Yeah. Uh, which ones have you seen? Faithful, Faithful Findings. I've seen Faithful say? Findings. We went to the loft to to go watch that when it first came out. And I think that's the only other one that Alamo has played in the past. Um, our creative manager was looking it up at the time that I was pushing for, for Twisted Pair's newest one. Um, and that was, Faithful Findies was played as a double feature with The Room. That would be um, really interesting. And Neil Breen is kind of an, an anomaly. I don't know how to encapsulate him he's not tommy wiseau no um his films have a message it it does it has a a a thread through all his movies and a certain uh how do you describe neil breen he's not i don't think he's inept but he's doing something on a scale that nobody else is doing, and he's pretty much doing it all on his own. Yeah. Uh, political messages, government messages, uh, technological messages. He's he's pouring out every little thing that's in his brain onto video, and trying to. Not, I don't even know if he's trying to put a narrative to it because it's just this open stream of consciousness and characters that are Neil Breen. Yeah. 
but not Neil Breen. It's you watch something and say to yourself, somebody needs to keep an eye on this guy. Uh, well, it, it, Faithful Findings, is that the one with the anthrax? Um, or is that Double Down? I think it must think. be Double Down, because I, I don't remember anthrax and Faithful Findings. I think it's the one where Faithful Findings is he's like the world's best computer guy. And somebody's been trying to control them. Through but computers. see, this sounds this sounds just like all his other movies. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's, you know, they they're referring it to now as the the Breenaverse. Okay. Um, I also remember there's magic crystals in Fateful. Uh, there's there's magic crystals in all of them. Oh my god! All right, I clearly need to watch more of these. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't clarify anymore as they go on, and I don't even know if it's necessarily intentional that he's making this Breenaverse? Because he doesn't answer questions. He's He just does what he does, and then lets people figure it out for themselves. Yeah. I, I, he's not... He doesn't think of himself as, as, a, as a joke or ironic, and he doesn't like doing Q&As and, and Skypes, because there are certain people that do take this as a joke, and I don't. I think he's very inspiring. No, I would. I doing. would have liked to have done one because I like a- asking serious questions when I do like this, this kind yeah. of Q and A's. And I wish you'd be more open. Generals, to that. you yeah. know. But I, you know, he's just he's not receptive to that, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um. Well, I remember like years ago, um, we uh, when Severin was touring around with Birdemic for the first time. Yeah. And um, Evan Husney, he works for Vice Films now, and he used to run Draft House Films. At the time, he was like his handler, Dustin Needham's handler, the guy who directed Birdemic. And they were trying to play it up the exact same way as the room. Like, this is the new room, Birdemic, shock and terror. Mm-hmm. And Dustin would like, or Dennis, I don't remember what his name is. I think it's Dennis Nguyen. Uh Yeah, Dennis Nguyen. Um he like would wear like the super night like a fancy suit. He's right. a South Korean guy. He mm-hmm. does himself very like pridefully, and he watched the whole movie. And you realize he probably did this for every. And like we were across from him, and I swear to God, every time somebody laughed, it was like white knuckle cringing. I felt so bad that I had to like leave mm. the theater because I was like, dude, he is not enjoying this at all. And he didn't get it. No, no, no. He, like, clearly he saw this as a serious thing. For right. for those of you who haven't seen Birdemic, it's, this whole thing is, like, about the environment and, like, this computer guy who falls in love with this girl. He's clearly, like, a Mary Sue for, like, the director. Like, it's the exact same job he has in real life. And he's defending her against these birds that have gone rogue and killing people because the environment is so destroyed. Yeah, it's right. like it's like the happening, but with birds. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is, and it's got like no budget, so the birds literally look like eight bit birds from <laughs> Duck. They're actually animated gifts that he just dropped in in like Adobe Premiere, you yeah. know. And it's it's like a weird movie. Well, and it was it was all self funded too, so I mean that's <clears throat> that's very similar to Neil Breen. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just it's all his money because he made a good living at whatever he was doing, and said, "Hey, you know what? I want to make a movie." Yeah, and the thing is, afterwards, he's doing, like, this whole, like, oh, I'm just happy people are watching this, and, you know, he was taking pictures, and, you know, but literally, I think Vice did this uh, 
has a documentary series now about outsider filmmakers. And Zach Carlson, who's like one of the old programmers for Alamo, is like the guy who runs. There's like four episodes, mm-hmm. and one of them is Evan Husney's checking in with Dennis Nguyen and how his life is like basically not gone anywhere since Birdemic. He just is trying to remake it over and over again. Right. And how Evan just feels like it helped his career, but it kind of ruined his, or it kind of ruined Dennis's, to be like forever like locked into this yeah. cult film. And this is what the difference is between, um, you know, Birdemic uh, with the director, writer, financer, producer, uh, Neil Breen, and Tommy Wiseau. Now, Tommy Wiseau, kind of the same thing. He didn't know... He he had an idea of, of the type of movie that he wanted to make. Right. And it was... It, I No matter what he says, this was never a comedy. No, he thought he was making he thought a he was make, of Streetcar Named Desire. Right. Yeah. So, when people started to mock it, laugh it, uh, laugh at it, uh, Rocky Horror it, basically, Mystery Science Theater it, yeah. Riff Tracks, uh, he eventually embraced it because he said well this is what it is and this is how people are reacting to it so i just i will accept that he's not really made much after that he did the neighbors series um which was more self-aware because once you start getting like tim and eric involved yeah i uh, i saw the neighbors i was not a fan of it no i mean it's it's mildly amusing but it's it's really just painful to watch yeah and it seems more self-aware of like, oh, yeah, now I'm Tommy Wiseau. Now I'm going to be this persona right. that everybody expects me to be. And he did some he did some other like YouTube stuff where he was like in space or something, which was marginally a little bit better because it was just him in a room um, or in a spaceship just kind of talking to himself about random things. Uh, but Neil Breen is still making movies. Yeah. So he's not worried uh, about like one specific thing, even though Neil Breen seems like he is kind of like the birdemic thing where he's, he's remaking the movie again and again and again, even though he says every single time that a new one is, is in production. This one is nothing like my last movie. This one is completely different. Right. And really it's, it's not, uh, but Tommy's not really doing anything. He's just going with, you know, what all this is like, but I feel like Neil is an, like like an actual like filmmaker, right? I don't think of Tommy Wiseau as as a filmmaker. No, I think he's more of like a product or like a brand or something now. Of yeah, I think and but like, he's always been like that. Yeah, I he think made his own jeans. Greg, Greg is more short like trying to become a filmmaker now with that best friends movie. Yes, and it's more like oh, here's this eccentric friend of mine who's in this film. Well, I don't think Tommy would be doing anything. Um. If it wasn't for Greg. Exactly. You know, Greg's a good guy. He's no, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a really nice guy. Um, and, you know, and he knows, he he absolutely knows, you know, what those movies are um, and how they're perceived. Um, you know, we even talked about uh, Best Friends um, when he came in for Volume 2. Um, he said, well, what did you think? Because, you know, I, I get it in advance so I can get it, you know, up on the screen and make sure everything looks good. And so I watched it. I, I watched the first one and the second one. Um, the second one is better than the first. Uh, and it's it's different 
in a way, too. But Tommy's not really in it all that much. Or it seems like he was available only for a couple days and they shot as much as they could. Yeah. But pretty much he's he's wearing like this medieval helmet. Um, and I don't even think like he's under it. I think somebody yeah, else is the playing way of the character. Yeah, it's to be in it without being in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, well, it's not a great movie, but it is better than the first one, which was kind of a snore fest. Um, but what Greg said about it, uh, and I, you know, I don't think he, he told me this in, in confidentiality, but, um, it's, it's a common term in, in, in the Hollywood circles. It's, you know, do one for them and then you do one for yourself. Oh, yeah. Del Toro. So, he's, yeah. so he said the first one was for them and then the second one was for me. So where he had more creative control on the second one. Um, but they're, they're definitely not like the room or anything like that. I mean, they're shot beautifully. But yeah, the trailers look really good. I haven't gotten a chance to see them yet, which I feel bad because Greg was really interested in my opinion. So I'll have to watch them at some point and yeah. do a, like, a review review of them just so he could be like, oh, here, you know. Because he was super, like when uh, we went to go see the Room movie party, because Ruby had never seen the Room. And we kept trying to watch the Room over mm-hmm. like the point of a year. Like the last time we were in Minnesota, we tried to go, we were like in a... Uh, uptown or somewhere and there was like a really nice theater and they were showing the room but it sold out and uh yeah another time it was like the loft and we couldn't go so we finally went to see it with a couple of friends of ours and you know i talked to greg before and he remembered me you know i guess like yeah no he even asked for you i think one of the times that he was when he was coming back to town yeah like he asked if i could like host it um but like uh I just ended up coming down, and uh, we did the read where I was doing the uh, the Johnny slash Tommy bit. Like, yeah, yeah. And then like he was just like, "Oh, if you don't know how to heckle it, like Victor and I do." Hmm. So that was fun. Yeah, no, yeah. that was good. Uh, uh, let's see. Guess we could jump into Suspiria. So fresh. All right. So I just saw Suspiria last night. That was your first time. That was my first time. Okay. So it's, did did you go because you knew that Ann and I were going in the afternoon and we were probably talking about it today? No, I thought it would. I wanted to talk about it because like the last episode, Josh and Kirby kind of went to town on Halloween, and like I'm not a big Halloween guy. Right? I'm not either. Yeah. It's it is, and and just is just a little sidebar here. The I didn't watch the new one. Yeah, I saw um, it, and I and I have and I have to say this. I went to the Rob Zombie, the first one. I went to the theater. Yeah. And it this it's it's very rare for me to sit in a theater and be compelled to verbally abuse the film as it's on the <laughs> screen. It's also very rare for me to walk out of a movie. Yeah. No matter how bad it is. I did both with that movie. I lasted probably about forty-five minutes into the Rob Zombie Halloween. Yeah. Before I said, I was, I was saying, "This is bullshit. What the fuck is this? This movie is terrible." And I did that at least four or five times, and then I just said, "You know what? I, fuck this movie," and I walked out. I, you know, no, I, there weren't very many people in the audience, yeah. but uh, they probably thought I was, you know, drunk or high or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. My cat got ran over. I don't know. Um, 
but I was never a big fan of the uh, uh, of even the John Carpenter, the first one. No, uh, um, yeah, I, I didn't see it till like years later, until I was much older. Um, it never interested me. The character never interested me. I think in high school I went to see, I think Halloween four. Curse of Michael Myers is that the one where Donald Pleasance died like three quarters of the way through? Yeah, in real life, it's 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 that's a really painful movie to watch because like it's like when you watch one of the uh, latter day Ed Wood movies with Bela Lugosi, where like this guy is well, it, it, that wasn't really in my my consciousness when I was watching. Oh it. no, I, just I remember, remember the movie watching itself. that, and then it's like I like I kept thinking like does Donald Pleasance not have money because he looks so sickly in that movie I mean, like he can barely talk I oh he's pure you know like oh god See, I didn't have any perspective on that yeah I always I think of that I, it's like one of my things where you talk to Ruby like things that Victor always notices when people are like doing <laughs> it for the money and when they're wearing really bad uh, wigs like Cameron Mitchell yeah uh, uh, there was a the Pink Panther series, I think that that's the first time that I was really aware of how they replace the lead. Oh, right, when they kill off Peter Sellers at the beginning of one of them, or his face is like. Well, I I don't remember. I don't even remember if he was even in it. There's think there's an explosion at the beginning of one of them, and then they replace him with somebody with else. like Ted. What's his name from Oh God, uh, Part Two? Yeah. Um. Anyways, I just remember that being being pretty sad because I, you know, Peter Sellers and all those Pink Panther movies are great. Yeah, I used to love those when I was a kid. Weirdly enough, and I haven't watched them since I was literally like, you know, young, twentieth yeah. century, folks. <laughs> yeah. So Suspiria. Oh no! Well, you you were talking about Halloween. I did, and that that was it. Oh, okay. I just don't give a shit yeah, about I, the Halloween I don't. franchise. I, I like I. It's to me, it's almost. I wouldn't go as far as, like, you know, like, I didn't grow up, like, being a Star Wars kid, so I don't mm. have as much attachment to it as, like, you or Josh do. Right. You know, and it's, like, I like horror movies, but, like, I like classic horror for the most part, and then when I do, like, more modern, to me, it's, like, the 80s are, like, Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not even a huge Jason guy. It's, um, it's, yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, because so, to me, they're almost, like, the same character. I, I, I think I grew up watching, like, the B-movie stuff, like... You know, like Shocker or Deadly Friend, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, to me, I'm like, well, I've heard it's good. Um, they were like, oh, we don't want to spoil it for you. I'm like, S -s spoil it because I, if I watch it, I don't really care. Right. Yeah. But then there's Suspiria, which is like a movie, like the original. Suspiria. It is a movie. It is a movie. Uh, like, because here, here's here's my thing about. I liked the new Suspiria. I liked it a lot. It's, I think it's too long. Um, like acts one, two, and three, I feel like could have been like one act. Hmm. But I feel like everything from act four on is like fucking crazy. Like all the dance scenes and everything. Like, oh, I love the dancing. The dance scenes are like amazing. Really like, great. Like if you ever want to be afraid of dancing, watch <laughs> this movie. You know. Um, it's just interesting divorcing it from the original Suspiria. Right. On some level, I almost wish that uh, Dakota Johnson's character wasn't named Susie Banyan. They could just pretend they both like kind of happened. 
like oh, yeah. independently of sure. each other because it doesn't really add anything to the movie. No, you know, um, and it's just weird too, just how different they are. Like they're very different in way. Like, like there's some similarities, like clearly, but like I mean, it's just weird having like this minimal soundtrack and like the super muted color mm-hmm. in the new one versus like the original Spear, which is all like primal crazy goblin and super intense colors right and i think there's more of a storyline in the new one but i feel like the thread is easier to follow in the original yes yeah so i don't know i'm like curious about yours and i'll just pipe in like my thoughts like what did you think the dancing I really liked. Yeah. And I liked all the build-up and the tension with that. And that, to me, was more of the, you know, like the connection with the with the building. Um, and then kind of like the some of the metaphors and uh, how, how it all... How, how do you even describe... Again, I'm, why am I stumbling over this movie? I wasn't really sold on the cinematography so much, but... Um, the cinematography kept reminding me of something like House of the Devil. Like, we're trying to make this look like a 70s movie with, like, the zoom-in dolly shots. Yeah, it, but it didn't do that enough. It yeah. did it once that I really noticed at, at the beginning, and then I, I guess at the end, too. Yeah. But there was one that was really clumsy at the beginning, and that... That was kind of jarring, uh-huh. and I liked it. And I was like, "Oh, are they going to go for more of this? Of just that real harsh, like zoom, not not a shaky camera zoom, but it wasn't, you know, perfect. You yeah. can see where it kind of like went off to the left and kind of caught up to yeah. just somebody just standing in the hallway. It's it's a long ass movie. I was getting a little restless, um, and when it felt like there were going there was going to be another ending on top of ending on top of ending i was just like oh fuck just I end feel the like movie the epilogue is completely unnecessary yes um which which is also a very like 70s thing yeah to do what they did for that tiny well that for that very last one that was only like maybe a you know minute and a half and it just kind of crawled in and, and zoomed into that yeah that symbol that we've been seeing throughout the whole thing um there, well, I don't even know if I can. No, I, I won't I say like it. I feel like I wasn't paying that much attention to that symbol because at first I was like, "What is that?" And then it's like, "Oh, we saw that before." Well, maybe because the letters are so close to my name. Yeah, it's it was like A and J. A and J. Yeah, but there, there, there is a, and I, I agree. I don't even. Well, I don't even think like that. That first act really needed to be in there with with Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh yeah, I got complete. I, I, mean, I didn't I know why that say, was even necessary. I got necessary. totally lost at first with like what was going on there. With like she goes to visit the psychiatrist whose name I can't remember. Yeah, Doctor So and So. Yeah, Doctor So and So. And like you know, I mean, it, it's like kind of like paint by numbers. It's like oh, there's exposition. exposition yeah, it's exposition. an exposition dump. Like I'm in this dance company, and you know, Mrs. Marcos is like 
doing something to the girls and she's driven me crazy and I used to be special. And I, yeah, and I really they they other than bringing you know her kind of back into the mix, uh, the Patricia character. Yeah, Patricia. Uh, but I what I liked more and what would have been I guess more satisfying for me and to keep me more engaged as you know this long ass movie was was going on is if it unfolded with all that exposition through the, the 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 books the notes yeah and if that was just kind of unveiled like throughout if they just kind of peppered through where he would just kind of go through the notes now and again right. because i liked that yeah when he when he would open up the books and then or the uh, the journals and would you know reveal different things right and i like the mix of of language so the whole thing's not in english oh it's not you have uh, to read most of it. Which I, I really liked that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, again, that, that's, a, that's a 70s trope as well. Um, where movies actually used to be like that. It, you, you wouldn't watch, like... Uh, I bet... Well, I, I don't know. I didn't see the, the remake of Red Dawn, but when I think of Red Dawn, when they spoke... the When the Russians spoke, they spoke the Russian language. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. I don't know. Has did the remake? I don't know if you've seen it or not. Is it just the all Red English? Dog but remake. I assume it was all in English because it was South Koreans. They changed it to oh, okay. Chinese. Yeah. So uh, I like that aspect to it too. Did I like the movie as a whole? Not necessarily. Um, and loved it. I wanted to like it more. That's I did. Like, I, hate I did when too. That happens. Like I wanted. I'm like, oh man, I really wanted this to like be on that Mandy level, you know? Yeah. I feel like Mandy's a better movie than this. I, I do, too. Um, I also think uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but, like, Lords of Salem is a better movie. Dude, I kept thinking that it's, like, a lot like Lords of Salem. Especially yeah. the end, when the old man shows up and the witches grab him. I was like, what the fuck? This just turned into Lords of Salem. Right. Yeah. Um, and mostly because Lords of Salem, even though it is a slow burn, they no, it's focusing gives on you, one person the whole time, and you're like, it's a character study. Yeah, but at least he 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 would pepper in something of interest that would kind of get you going. Oh, well, that was a little you know weird or yeah. something that happens that you know uh, drives a little bit more. Well, and the other thing too is this whole weekend I've been watching the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, and I, it's like touching on all the exact same stuff this movie touches on, you know, like oh witches and how they're being persecuted and in a broken coven and everything. And I'm like, God, this is like the exact same thing as the movie I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm watching Sabrina, like when you go into her house, there's a big skylight and it's the window from the first Suspiria. Hmm. So I mean, it's all purposeful, yeah. you know. And I don't know. I like. I feel like. Are, are you all right with kind of spoiling it? I mean, I'm sure most people who watch this are kind of. Scared. I don't know. I think people, possibly people who are listening, are are might be on the fence about right. it or um, might not be a fan okay. of Suspiria because there is. the The doctor I really enjoyed a lot, but I didn't know who that person actually really was. <sighs> 
after the movie, I said to Anne, I said, you know what? I really liked the doctor a lot. Yeah. And then she said who it was, and I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. Yeah. That's the only reason why I'd watch the movie again. Yeah. I knew that going in, and I kind of feel like I wish I didn't. I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. I will see the last scene with the doctor when, you know, um, Mother Suspiriorum is telling him what happened to his wife mm-hmm. and just to the emotions there. That was like one of the best scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like that. I, even though I think that epilogue was really unnecessary, I think that was a really well done scene. Right. You know, um, it's weird because I feel like just cause I, I, I thought about it a lot. I don't think there's like a main character in that movie, but no. when I saw, Last year when I saw Call Me By Your Name, it's the same thing. There's, well, I guess Timothy, uh, ugh, you know, yeah. stupid mm-hmm. name, uh, Charlemagne or whatever his name is, uh, he's kind of your viewpoint character, but he's not like the protagonist per se. This movie has no protagonist. Right. You're just like, okay, here's the scenario. This is, you're, you're following this like, person now, and now you're following that person, and then now you're going to that Especially person. when the person you kind of think is the protagonist turns out not to be it at all. Yeah, which was an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, and it's, I was fine with it. At I was too. At, at a certain point, I was like, this is the only thing that kind of makes sense, so... Um, I will say, uh, you know, Tilda Swinton uh, plays this character, Madame Blank, who's like the main teacher yeah. at the Marcos Academy. And she's like guiding Susie throughout. I mean, she's teaching, but then at one point they had like the super intense close relationship. And like, I was like, how did they start talking to each other psychically? Like, did I totally miss this? Yeah. That was just kind of you. You were supposed to believe it was happening naturally. Yeah, I literally thought, did I like fall asleep? No, you didn't. Something? You didn't okay. miss anything. There was there was nothing to indicate that there. You know, this was uh, uh, unfolding. Yeah, yeah. It was just like okay. it didn't give you any warning. It I just, just happened. I got to run with it because that was like literally. I was like, I don't think I fell asleep, but I feel like <laughs> I missed something. Yeah, yeah. I told. I forgot about that part. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, I was in the theater and I was I was kind of going, okay, is am I am I looking at them through the mirror and I don't see her mouth moving, but yet again the movie's really dark itself. Yeah. So I, you know, it seemed like everybody's face was always kind of in shadow, and I, I don't think, know if I'm making it up yeah. in my head. The other thing I thought was really cool, for the most part, was how there's no like. CGI special effects except for one shot that I thought was really stupid mm-hmm. towards the end but it's all like lighting and practical effects yeah which I thought was really cool you know um there's a very uh interesting uh ending thing that is very like practical effects like and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that that noise is all I'm gonna is gonna, my biggest spoiler for this whole thing but like yeah, I, I, I like, I don't know, I was very impressed by, like, a lot of the acting. I just, like, mm-hmm. wish it had been, like, at least a half hour shorter. And I, and I always hate to say that a movie is, is too long. 
And some people really hinge their whole opinion on whether or not a movie is good or not. Well, it's if like, it's too long. Yeah. Which is not it's it's complete detriment. Yeah, and it's like I talked I talked to uh, the screenwriter Dave Katanic at San Diego Comic Con. We talked for a long time. And he told me, Yeah, him and Luca locked that thing at like that length. Like that is the perfect length for this movie. And I was like, That's exciting. It's very long. You know? Mm-hmm. And I get it, like a lot of it is meditation that like you know, like a Terrence Malick kind of thing, and he said that's part of the thing we're going for, is like a Rainier, Maria Fassbender, Terrence Malick kind of thing, because there's a lot of that. There's like yep. scenes of like the Mennonites and all this stuff that really has no actual payoff, instead of like giving you like this collage of visuals. Right. You know, which is also something that Luca Guadagnino does, like he did that a lot in Call Me By Your Name, like the last, the whole credit is him staring at a fireplace, like, with tears in his eyes, mm-hmm. you know? And there's just, like, I'm just gonna focus on this scene and let it play out and get what you get out of it, Yeah, you know? And it's weird because I feel like there's a lot of that in Mandy. I mean, not to compare the two, but in a way, I kind of am, because there's, like, a kind of, like, this like, witchy oh, yeah, etherealness yeah, right. to it. And, like, I feel like it's done a lot better in Mandy or at least it involved me more or like I was more invested in that sure. movie I don't know it's weird that I'm like comparing these two movies because I didn't think I would but I feel like we're getting to the end of the year and I'm like man I kind of expected well, yeah, these two to be like the two heavy hitters right. you know I mean the some more positives for Suspiria they, they got they got the tone right yeah it, it felt correct yeah. Uh, and I had another thing on my mind, and then I, and then I completely lost it. But the the tone was a big thing. Um, some of some of my expectations is I was really because I didn't I didn't really watch the the trailers all that much. I kind of yeah did my best not to pay attention to the trailers leading up to this. You talked about it earlier. I, I really miss... Here, I was going to talk about positives, and this is probably a negative going against it. Um, <laughs> the, I'm sure we could spin it the other way. The The intensity of the original with the lighting, the color, uh, the sounds, the music, um, and a much more, I think, satisfying ending in the original. Um, yes. Although, you know, although different... It, it built up to that and made it seem much grander than it actually was. Uh, I I also didn't like Tom York's song that he sings. That I kind of wish and, there'd been no lyrics in any of those songs. Right. Yeah. So when that first, when that song starts the beginning of the film, I was very concerned yeah. that this was going to be... Like Radiohead, the music video. Right. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly not, the the rest of the score, I thought, was serviceable and good. Yeah, I do think Johnny Greenwood is a better composer than... Oh, absolutely. But then they brought back in the sing-song, Tom York song, at the end of the movie, for all the the different endings that they had tacked on. And I was like, damn it! I was really hoping they wouldn't bring that song back, because it kind of takes you out of it. It's like, yeah, it's Tom York. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll get nominated for best song if it can oh, sure. or whatever. But it's like it, 
it didn't help. Another uh, another film that I was kind of putting the the, the pedestal next to and and uh, maybe trying to you know hold it up to a, a certain standard. Uh, Ravenous. Oh, Ravenous. Yeah, I could see that. Because now you know they they had the um, Damon Albarn. Yeah, did the soundtrack. It's like you know it needed some of that kind of like weird intensity. Yeah, to it. Um, and and kind of that weird psychological. Because first time I saw Ravenous, and same thing like with Mandy. When I when I walked out of the theater, I was numb. I felt high. I yeah. felt like the movie, the pacing, everything that that happened and went on. I didn't know how to really process it at first. Yeah. And uh, and I would imagine, you know, the psychotropics or something would kind of have the same just, you know, like mellow buzz yeah. walking out of it. This one, I, that's what I was hoping to get something like yeah, that. Yeah, like but a I feeling. But I didn't get a buzz Because I even got for that from, like, La La Land a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, well, I gotta just chill here. And, like, or like chill. how, uh, for me, it was Mother. Yeah. It's like, I don't wish anybody to see that movie, but I think it's one of the greatest films ever made. Because of the the physical and 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 psychological uh, uh, affect that I got from it after yeah. it was over, it destroyed me. Yeah, I didn't get that from Suspiria, New Suspiria. Um, and actually, like I will say, uh, it sounds like I'm really harshing on this movie. I'm not. I feel like I just have a very high standard. Given like, you know, this is supposed to be a remake of Suspiria. And it's a good movie. It is. Don't get me wrong. Like, but Suspiria is like that's a cornerstone movie, man. You know, like you can't fuck with that movie. It's like it is what it is. It's an experience. You like I'll say this. Like, uh, you know, I have Suspiria on 4K. I didn't go see it when it was playing album on 4K. I've only ever seen Suspiria in 35 millimeter. Mm -hmm prints and they've always been like super intense and like literally it was i think the second or third time i saw it i'm just like whoa i need to just like close my eyes and not take this in right now because it's just like like the loft had this super intense like audio thing going on with like the truck you know oh yeah i know at alamo is really loud yeah and it's just like it, it, it it'll mess with you if you're in the wrong mindset and like I just did not like how sparse the soundtrack in this was. There, I mean, I get it because, like, for the dance sequences, that's when the movie really comes to life. Right. And, like, the frenetic cuts and everything. It's just like, man, like, especially, like, in Act 5, it gets called Borrowing or Taking. One of those two. And it just, like, uh, Mia Goss character just becomes a puppet that Madame Blank is controlling. Yep. That's, like, the most, like, fucked up scene that like it's just like whoa that it they hooked me and it's like please continue this level of intensity yeah you know and then that's what leads to like the psychic oh well, we had to do this before this happens and i'm like what yeah like, you know, okay i'll run with it but yeah i liked that i liked all the dance stuff is really good but yeah mm-hmm. i just wanted some underlying thing going through like a thread of music but there's just like long scenes with no music at all it's almost like that movie possession you know mm-hmm. and it's like it's a lot like that it's like i wasn't really expecting like this weird kind of like sparse thing so much yeah you know especially like 
I guess a lot of the movies are like are really soundtrack heavy. I mean, like you know, Mandy Johan Johansson's soundtrack is going to be a whole movie yep. in some form or another. You know, and I feel like that informs the film on a certain degree. Like, well, that's fifty percent of the experience. Yeah, you can't really say that too much about other movies. Yeah, you know, other than like Jaws or you know Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess there anything will John be Williams, blood, but... like which oh, sure. is like that movie's just tense because of the soundtrack so much, and I guess that's Johnny Greenwood, right? Who's also in Radiohead, and know? and the thing is about um, there will be blood is that uh, it wasn't so much of a, a score as it was almost um, like foley, like it 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 actually was mechanical in a way. Yeah, it's like. That it, it the percussion was like so it was yeah. more yeah more like the drill yeah um it, it's it's just it, it's so good and Suspiria was more of just, I don't, I couldn't even tell you any kind of specific points within the film that uh that had a a, a score beat I couldn't like tell you no. anything about it. Other than that Tom York song where he's singing. Yeah. At front and back. Yeah, it's just really dissonant. I just don't remember it's any really of it. It's really dissonant during, like, the dance sequences. Right. And it just kind of goes with the cuts. And it does feel like you're watching something pagan. Like, even... Although I kept looking at the patterns, and I was trying to remember, like, are those patterns, like, the patterns in the windows in the first Suspiria? I kind of feel like that was a call-up. They also looked like weird, like, pentacles, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Like, I like the movie, but I feel like it's still, like... It just didn't engage you it, as Yeah, much. like, I feel like I wanted to be, like, in there, like, right from the beginning, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, even the way the credit, the, the title credit comes up. That like, was if great. You're, if you're not paying attention, you won't notice the title credit. It's just a sign, a subway sign that says Suspiria on it. Yeah, you know. And I'm like, oh, is, is that it? Really? Oh, interesting. Well, I I was telling myself, is that like an actual like subway? Yeah, I feel <laughs> no. I think it wasn't like actu- in real life. They actually put it on the. Sign. Well, no, I'm saying yeah. that the sign actually yeah. existed and was already there. Oh no! Like, no. is that a thing? Yeah type thing so because it was so you know it was well i guess it wasn't subtle yeah but i don't know very uncommon it, it's like yeah because it's weird because yeah original suspiria is just about Susie and how she comes into this coven and mm-hmm. like is shocked by the whole thing and i don't think the original suspiria is perfect either. no it's not it's like i'm just saying that's the thread you're following in the first one yes i kind of feel in this one and this is like one of my main critiques i feel like patricia and mia goth's character should have been the same character like you know the yeah because i feel like then i I would have felt like okay i'm following at least one less protagonist and it's like you know maybe their friendship well patricia patricia is only the 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 catalyst for the doctor yeah uh that's the only reason why he's like the secondary or third protagonist kind of because there's me and goss character i think her name is like sarah or sam or sarah something like that and then there's the doctor and then Madame Blank is a protagonist, I think. Yeah, I would say so. And then maybe Susie. So you've got at least four characters, uh-huh. you know. But I, in the end, the Doctor is basically the main 
character, I suppose, because he's in every act and his storyline comes to a close. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. You know, cause because we don't we don't learn as much, um, as we do about the the doctor, even though we don't know, we don't remember what his name is, Ames or something like that. Um, I. Mankey, I think. No, that's his wife's name. Well, because it's it's the A and the J. Yeah. Oh, he. I think he's the J and she's the A. The wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then that makes sense the way the movie closes. Yes. All right. There we go. At least we figured that out. <laughs> you know, and it's a love story, I guess, in the end, sort of like Call Me by Your Name, I suppose. You know, I and like I said, I really like the movie. It's just. Um, you gotta kind of have to digest it. It's 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 like the first spirit. You kind of have to digest it. Although I always love the way the first spirit ends. If you have experienced Suspiria, mm-hmm. you know, like I kind of you know, in this one it's like you have, but it's not telling you. You know, you just right. I think what I do like. Did you watch the whole thing? There's like a post credit scene. No. So like, there's a post credit scene where it's her staring at the camera, and she like touches the edge of the screen, and it's kind of like a film effect, mm-hmm. like you've been bewitched, like she's put a spell on you mm-hmm. while you've been watching it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel a spell. No, no, I like wanted to. I was like, oh, I get what they're saying. I, did. I wanted more of an emotional connection. I yeah. didn't think it was a terrible movie. Uh, I think if someone goes into it blind, you know, not really knowing anything. Um, I don't know because you, you, there's there's a lot of other movies that I can make comparisons to, like we already have. Yeah. Uh, Black Swan is another one. Yeah. Which had a you know I more intensity like Black, and a dreamlike like state to Black it. Black Swan is a better movie than this. I like do 100%. too. Because um, you could go in, you could go in blind into Black Swan and go, wow, that was really something else yeah. because the intensity, the dreamlike quality of things. Uh, this one had more of the 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 dreamlike. Just, I wasn't connected. There was some sort of disconnect. Yeah. Well, like I said, my wife loved it. She loved it better than Mandy. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know what connected for her. Um, but, uh, you know, different strokes, different folks, different opinions. I'm sure, you know, she'll buy it when it comes out. I don't, do you think this is a commentary type movie or do you think this is just you interpret it? The way that you see it. Did you watch the Alamo pre-show for this? Yes. All right. Like, I feel like it's a commentary movie just based on that. Because he was, like, explaining all the references in the dance. I and suppose. Then, and then it's, like, when you saw, like, the scenes in comparison, like, especially when, like, he showed scenes, like, yeah. oh, Pima, that Wim Wenders movie. And then yeah. it's, like, the dance instructor that looks exactly like Madame Blake. Right. You know? Because I'm sure if they, like, dig deep into the dance... I would like to see more of, like, the dance choreography and how we put that together. Oh, yeah. No, the the choreography is insane. I was like, Jesus, how long did they take to make this movie? Because that's not stuff you just learn over a month. No, no, no. And it was just, like, crazy. And I mean, an interpretive jazz dance. Yeah, primal. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of the thing. I feel like I was expecting a different movie coming in than what we got. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like, that's coloring it. Like, I almost expected, like, a weird supernatural version of Whiplash. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, like, this isn't that. It's, like, 
Or even something like, you know, like Crimson Peak. There needs to be some sort of mystery there. And Like, I wonder if, like, there had been, like, a narration that might have... But I feel well, like... Well, then we'd be complaining about the narration. I probably. feel like, like, the way this movie is, it's like a tone poem. I feel like it's very much, like, it was meant to be this kind of movie. It's an art house horror movie. Like, right. Like, 100%. That's yeah. why I'm kind of, like, uh, surprised at what a wide release it's getting. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, on some level, I mean, Black Swan was too, but I feel like Black Swan is, like, more accessible as a horror movie. Oh, and yeah. And the dance, it totally is, yeah. And da- the dance sequences were also, like, really harrowing in that, mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's weird because I feel like I'm talking about it so much because I, I wanted to like it more. Yeah, you're trying to pick out all the positive things yeah, from and, it and convince yourself. Yeah, and that, it sucks because I really wanted this to be like my favorite movie of the year, and it's like it's. Yeah, I wanted it to be up there. Yeah, but maybe it's is again. Maybe it's one of those things against it that had such high standards going in. Yeah, yeah. But I but I also did with Mandy too. I had really high standards, but I didn't know what I was getting into because I didn't know anything about it really, and I was surprised by things in it. Yeah. Uh, in Suspiria, I wasn't so like. Well, there there were these, like you said, it doesn't it doesn't follow necessarily. It's a one really person. original movie, but it I is. can also like. It's one of those things where I like I like it, but I could see how like other people would hate it. Like that's one of the things. It's like at the beginning where it has the whole thing with the Mennonites and like she's dying and then she's just like breathing so heavily for like ten minutes. Yeah, that was like okay. They should have fixed this somehow because I was like, I could see how people would be laughing because it was going on too long. Hmm. You know, I actually like that part. But you, do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, and thankfully people weren't. You know, right? But it's like I could see how that could happen. Now, did did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? No, but I I don't think I'm going to watch it. So you can talk about it. Well. <clears throat> This kind of goes the same thing that you were saying. Like either people are going to read the movie completely wrong, or just hate it for what it is, or love it for what it is. Uh, I I loved it. I'm I'm a huge Freddie Mercury fan. I, he's the the greatest singer ever. He's he's my all time favorite. And you know, and of course, you know, Queen. They're you know they are a group. Um that fed off each other and and that's you know the movie is uh focuses on the band relationship but also focuses on on freddie and i've seen so many bbc series stuff all the stuff where that would talk about freddie mercury and uh in mostly kind of that like tmz quality of uh you know, he did all these drugs, you know, sex, and yeah. out of control, and, uh, you know, diseased, and whatever. So, you, a lot of those, you know, look at the negativity. Uh, there's a couple documentaries out there that more focus, like, on the band itself, and, you know, how they got started, and the struggles. And then Bohemian Rhapsody comes out, and they, it is kind of sugar-coated, but, uh, it it shows just enough of 
the Freddie Mercury struggles and behind the scenes life to where it didn't have to go overboard. I think like Sasha Baron Cohen initially was attached to do Freddie Mercury and he wanted it to be really? a hard R. I so he wanted to go into the drugs. Too, he'd be too old to play Freddie Mercury. Yeah, maybe know. this was a long time ago. Uh, uh, last, I don't know, maybe last couple of years or so. It's been in development hell for a long time. Yeah. Brian May has been trying to get this done for a long time. Uh, based on, uh, I think it's a, the book he wrote. Uh-huh. Um, well, and that's the thing. If you want the band to sign off on it. Well, you need the music. Yeah, or else you might as well not even make it. Right. Yeah, because this is like the problem you have with music biopics, because it's like, I have this very, uh, this is why I'm kind of reticent to see this movie, because mm-hmm. um, I really liked The Doors when I was younger. Yes. And Oliver Stone made The Doors movie, and it's this yes, like, it's this hag, like, I'm going to use a big word, folks, here. <laughs> it's a hag, it's a hagiography. It's basically like a movie that makes the lead singer, the creative genius, a saint that was always fated to be amazing. And that's the way the documentary or the Doors movie plays out. Like Jim mm-hmm. Morrison was this misunderstood genius who was fated to be famous. And he just needed the right people around him to recognize his genius to bring it out. And that's the Doors movie in a nutshell. And it kind of like bothers me on this huge level because all you know the doors everybody in that band contributed to that band being successful yes jim morrison didn't even write their most famous song Mm -hmm. you know it was like robbie krieger you know but if you watch that movie it's like well i had to compete with you since you're always talking about earth and fire and sex you know and then it's like you know and it's like i like that movie on uh, Oh, surface level. Surface just, level. But it just bothers me. It's like, I'm it's not a genius. good movie. Yeah. I'm right. the best filmmaker. I was misunderstood at UCLA, so I dropped out. Oh, I have these Indians. And, oh, if only you guys had understood me a little more, I wouldn't have died. It's all, it, I, I was, at that time, I was a huge Doors fan. Yeah. So uh, you get where I'm coming from, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so when I watched Doors, I, I was, it almost seemed like a parody. Oh, yeah. Ray Manzarek hated that movie. He wished he could take that because he didn't know that's how they were going to go. Because Ray Manzarek totally comes off as uh, Jim Morrison's lackey, you know? Oh, yeah. You know? And Kyle McLaughlin does do a good job playing him. But it's just like, if that was me, I'd be like, dude, seriously? Like, right. I'm the one who recognized your genius. So I'm going to be your puppy dog, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's you know, that... Yeah, that sucks because I know I've you know I've been in bands and and you know we all work together. Sometimes we knew like you know okay this is like the lead person you know writes all the songs and maybe mm-hmm. I might have something every now and again. But you know we were all an integral part. And then either the band would break up or somebody would leave the group and but we'd try and keep going and it was never the same. Mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody also kind of addresses that as well. Uh, it does focus a lot on Freddie Mercury. They do try to really make a point that they are a band and they work best as a band together. Uh-huh. Um, I guess some of the uh, factual information is, you know, kind of punched up a little bit. Um, the Doors and, movie is the exact same And way, sideways so. in some ways because, I mean, you know, Freddy's dead. 
Yeah. He's been dead for since 1991. Yeah. They're going to flip stuff up to make it a more interesting narrative. Right. But the the thing, the where it, it triumphs for me is it's just fun to see all that Queen music and videos and on stage just lumped into a, you know, two hour and 15 minute thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's well done. And the the doors to make a comparison is didn't necessarily have that feeling for me. I liked when they were on uh, Ed Sullivan oh, yeah. section, even though that was even punched up because he didn't run up to the camera. Oh no, and emphasize the yeah. words that he was supposed yeah, to. Yeah, they just say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just he sang it the way that he normally sang the song. I will say that's that. You know, for the most part, I did like that, like, Val Kilmer sang through that whole movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he really dove into the role, but yeah. like I said, it just kind of seemed like a parody of... Yeah, yeah. It was... <laughs> I mean, you could laugh at it now. It doesn't hold up. Oh, it doesn't at all. Especially, like, when he meets other famous people, like Crispin Glover playing the war, all that. That whole scenario is so stupid. Yeah, you know, it's Paul Robinson being Andy Warhol's sidekick is. Like but it's really it's it's so hard for Oliver Stone to do something that doesn't bring it right to the edge and and kind of push you a little bit. And I know, push you just I, a little I, bit more I forward. I swear to God, I feel the only real movie he's ever made is like Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, but even then, yeah, like uh, uh, Tom Cruise. Does kind of chew the chew the scenery every he now and then. He was trying to get an Oscar. I will say, it, like, so it's he, like the Revenant type thing. Yeah, I, did he get not? I think that one in like uh, Magnolia, where the only two times he's been nominated for an Oscar, he should have won an Oscar for Magnolia. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is, uh, <laughs> I hate him in that movie. Yeah, because he because of his character because he's so good. He's, he's so good at playing yeah. that fucking asshole. Yeah. Who's way over the top. Yeah. Like, way over the top. And so now I, I've always associated Tom Cruise with that role. Yeah. And everything else is just, you know, I don't know. Low-fat milk. I, I just, yeah, I do love that part where he, like, he goes to, like, with Jason Robert's death that he... Oh, yeah, that's the one they crying. show every year, you know, during the Oscars. Yeah. That's, you it's know. such a, it's a really good scene. And that's, that's a really underrated P.T. Anderson movie. It it is, and again, and that's one of those where it follows several different people, yeah, uh, throughout the whole film, and yeah. um, and still manages to keep it fresh. And I remember when that came out on video, you know, it was in the the dual. Yeah, I had VHS I have that box. one. No, dude, I still remember when that movie came out. Like I was like, oh, this is such a good movie until it started raining frogs. <laughs> I, I knew so many people like, yeah, I walked out when that happened because it wasn't realistic at all. I'm like, it's a movie, dude. And it's happened in certain it parts did. of the world too. Yeah, fish. Yeah, frogs. Yeah, and it's like now that would never happen. I, I mean, you know, he's a good visionary. I think I really like P.T. Anderson. It, it kills me that I've never been able to get through The Master. Hmm. I have that movie. I've tried to watch it so many times. I feel it's like a pseudo Scientology thing, and I mm -hmm. feel like I would really be into it. And I try to watch that movie like five times. And I feel like I've been in the wrong mindset every time. Like mm. I can't watch this movie. Yeah, I haven't watched watch. it. It's it like um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is really good in it, and so is Joaquin Phoenix. And it's just like I start watching it, and it's like 
something will happen. I'm like, okay, I gotta stop now. One day I'll get through it. <laughs> I don't know, I just threw that in, folks, just so you know, I don't. Just like everybody, there's movies we can't get through. <laughs> but, I don't know. I really like this. Did you go to any other movie theaters when you were in, in Minnesota besides, uh, Woodbury. Oh no no we just went to the the yeah the Alamo Woodbury yeah location. I really like that Alamo. I mean I used to live there so I mean I already know the other movie theaters that were around. So oh yeah I wanted to go to the Trilon they were doing something but we were just really busy and it was a short trip. Yeah no we we you know we didn't know the whole time that we were there we we're like well where are they? <laughs> oh yeah <'cause laughs> we, we can't narrow tear you guys down you know but yeah. Yeah, that was fun. It was nice to get away, uh, unplug from work completely and totally. Uh, one of my coworkers did end up, one of my other managers did call me on Tuesday afternoon when I was driving back. Uh, yeah, I was not happy. It yeah. popped up on my little screen in the car, um, that, you know, there's a phone call coming in from, you know, this specific manager. I'm certainly not going to throw him under the bus on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when it pops up on the iPhone on the screen in the car, you know, it's either you know, accept or decline. I'm like, my finger has never moved so fast <laughs> to push that decline button. And then probably for the next, you know, 30 minutes in the car, probably not that long, probably you know, a couple minutes. I, yeah. All I did is I, I bitched to Ann about, you know, I gave them all the information that they needed for when I was gone. Our other projectionist is taking care of stuff, and he's been knocking it out of the park. You know, I had one more day left of vacation. Yeah. You know, we were, we were going to be back uh, that evening, and then I, I would have that Wednesday off as well, and then come back on Thursday. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It, it was really strange. It, it kind of took you took me out of that whole discipline that I had for almost a whole week yeah. of complete separation. Which I haven't had for two years. Yeah. Every single day up until that point, there was something that I was connecting myself to that had to, that involved work in some way. Mm-hmm. Whether it be in going into my personal office and, you know, answering emails or whatever. Yeah. This was the first time that I actually got away and it was liberating. And I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, things are gonna explode or you know, worst possible case scenarios in my head or one of those things that anybody that goes on vacation and can disconnect, they get worried that when they get back, it's just going to be a pile of oh yeah, that's, of that's, work to do to catch up on. That's always my worry. I went back and I had a pile to catch up on. It was yeah. like I even worked while I was gone and I didn't have to and I shouldn't have, but I, you know, I'm glad I did. Yeah. You know. I, I, you, I do feel like I'm indispensable and I know that the uh, the other managers feel that way too. But I'm glad that I set up uh, Kyle to 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 do a lot of the same things that I do, um, without having to rely on me so much as it has been in in the past. So that's a good, uh, I, I guess, test of how things are going to move toward the future once more locations start opening up, and uh, I'm managing more projectionists and more projectors and. Making sure that everybody's all set yeah. for what they need to do, so I'm just not the person that where stuff is just going to start piling up on my desk. It's like no, everybody knows what they need to do, and as long as it's being done, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, 
I guess for the for the most part, like you know, because I I basically they just give me the fringe stuff to kind of promote and host or whatnot. I think I did like I did Tremors while you were gone. Yep. And then Kyle was running that one, and it went pretty well. You know, I don't think and that's like the last Fist City until like January. So I'm only hosting like one thing at Alamo this month. Right. You know. And it's like, I get a message that I'm like, you know, I'll, I could do more if you want me to, you know. But and I think a lot of it's just, you know, they're doing a lot of movie parties and then the, the private events yeah. just are ramping up. And then, of course, you know, we're getting into the holiday season, so we want to fill as much of those holiday movies in as many theaters as we can get them in. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, just, that's just how it is. Yeah, it is a movie business, folks. It's yeah. like you got to get those make holiday money. dollars and get the concessions. And I know we've had the conversation before. It's not like how it used to be uh, back in the old days, where they would just say, "Hey, we want to, we want to run this movie, but we also want to run this movie." So you know, we'll just do it. Now it's it's more of a, a negotiation every week. Yeah. To get this or that, and you know, how many screens is it going to be in? And well, if we show this, can we show that? Or you know, well, if you do show this, no, you have to show this other thing or keep this one for another week. Yeah. So you know, that takes up real estate. I mean, no. I, w- I wish every single screening could be a repertory title. Like it oh, could God, just be, <laughs> it could just be whatever the the fuck you want to do, kind of thing. Well, you know? I but know. I don't know if that's like a, a you know realistic. It's uh, not, and I think. Maybe next year, I think we'll go back to doing like some more like off, you know, cult classics and like maybe some other spots or whatever. And just keep the Terror Tuesday and such and the mothership is until I can convince them to like expand that to like you know more nights a week or. Well, or, how did, how does uh, Tarantino has that movie theater right? Yeah, the New Beverly. Do they show first run? Or does no. he just, whenever he wants to show a 35-millimeter... Like yeah, print. it's his private movie theater, and he owns, like, a, one of the... But it's public, though, right? Yeah, yeah, you buy tickets to it. Okay. He just programs it out every month, and he has a staff, and it's like, you know, it's 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 like a vanity business. It's like when a snowbird decides to settle in, like, Mesa and open up a stamp yeah. business, you know? It's like, you know, that's not a viable business, but it's like, you know, I'm doing it because I've got the money, and yeah. I like stamps. In this case, thirty-five millimeter. Yeah, exactly. You know, and every now and see now that would be fun. I mean, uh, you know, in the back of my brain, it'd be like, you know, oh, can you guys open up a, a little art house, like one, one screen Alamo theater, right? Like the Ritz or something. Yeah. You know, buy the Valley Art. <laughs> yeah. Which the Valley Art doesn't make any money. This I uh, not making this a spoiler for anybody who lives in Arizona that Harkins Valley Art doesn't make any money at all. It's a vanity theater, essentially, right. Right. that Dan Harkins owned because his dad owned it like a hundred years ago. Yeah, that, that was the original one. Yeah. You know. And, Red owned. Yeah, it gets the lowest grosses in the valley, but it's a really nice theater. It's got full digital projection and everything, you know? It's like Suspiria is actually playing there right now, but I chose to watch it at the Tempe Alamo because I like that presentation better. Mm. You know, I think the the Valley Art Theater is too lit up. Like the ins- mm. it has a really nice design, but it's too bright even when the movie's playing. Mm. It's like you're watching it in your living room. And I feel like I need a certain level of dimness. <laughs> 
That's what I found. Like, I found my seat I like at the Alamo. I sit on the far end of the first row. I don't have seats, lights in front of me, and it's far enough from the screen that I'm not looking up. Yeah. I think Joshua does the same thing. He's always, like, in the front row. Yeah. Or really close to it. I don't think people realize, like, the first front rows are all recliners and how much space there is between the recliners and the screen. Right. So, it's like So, once you recline, I mean, you're really not straining your neck because you're just like that. Yeah. That's right, folks. Hyping up where we were. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why not? Yeah. That's us. It's our freaking podcast, not yours. Exactly. You know? Hey, you know, it's like, I, I think anybody would do that. Come to the Alamo Draft House, guys. <laughs> Speaking of which, come to the Alamo Draft House, guys. Because uh, 20th, it's uh, Pet Cemetery, November 20th, which I picked solely because um, it said the, the most important part of that movie is set at Thanksgiving. Oh. When they, when they leave church with uh, the dad. It's, does it's it been go, so long since I've seen Yeah, that they movie. go to her family's house for Thanksgiving because he doesn't get along with them, and that's when Church dies. Huh. So they bury him in the pet cemetery on Thanksgiving. I saw that movie in the theater when it came out. Uh, it was it was pretty much a packed crowd, and the scene in the attic was it the sister? Uh huh. Oh, that's the creepiest scene in that whole movie. So. I swear to God, because sometimes I've seen this before. I mean, just generally in in films before, where they did something for the theatrical release yeah. that was not in the home video release and hasn't been seen ever since. Yeah, and I don't know if this was somebody in the audience who did this, or if it was actually in the movie. But I, I'm probably just. I, I, it's probably in my brain, and I've gone over it so many times. And any time that I've seen the movie. I think I still hear this in my head. But when she comes around from the bed and comes like right up to the camera, uh-huh. there was like this almost kind of like an enveloping scream sound. Like right up to the point where she got like right up there. Not like a jump scare type thing, uh-huh. but m- more, I, I, don't, I can't even describe it. But it was it was almost like a like a kind of like a Doppler effect scream that happened. It, it seemed so unnatural enough to where it's like that couldn't have been somebody in the theater. Yeah, that had to be coming out of the speakers. That had to be something in the mix. Oh, weird. I've never seen it that way again. But it freaked me out. That scene just yeah, so freaky. That that whole that whole movie is really unsettling. Yes. You know, and I always... Well, and the little kid was so good. He oh, was he so is. insanely creepy. Well, the whole thing with that is, like, they usually cast twins to play little kids. And I guess, like, the dire- like the director, and they were like, no, this kid is so good. We need to cast him, even though he's just one kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's super creepy. And then it's like, uh, you know, Fred Gwynn is so good as Judd Crandall. And it's like, I've always thought... There's a lot more um, complexity to that performance than people really give him credit for. Oh, sure. Because he's totally, he's totally helping him out, but I feel like he's setting him up all along, you know, explaining to him about what the cemetery is about, and it's like, you know, like, oh, just go a little It's that road. Yeah. It's that damn road. Oh, it strikes me as a little girl that wasn't ready to get rid of a cot. Like, oh, and then it's like, have you ever buried a person there? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like, you set him up on this road. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> Freaky. He, and it's just like, Fred Gwynn just gives it enough subtext that you're like, why is he telling him all this shit? Is there just something here we don't know about? It's never really bore out, but it's like there's nothing in subtext. It's yeah. just like a creepy, like, needful things kind of like, is he like the devil or, you know? Right. I mean, he had the bad experience with the dog, but it's still just a little weird, you know? Yeah. He knows things. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's the local. No, he did a really good job. And, and really all the way up to that point, when I saw the movie, you know, the only exposure that I knew of his was the monsters. The monsters. Yeah. Um, but he totally sold the performance. And since then, I've seen, you know, his, his earlier works. He's, he's a great actor. He is. He played a lot of like, you know, you always think of him as this lovable Herman Munster guy, but he played a lot of assholes. Oh, yeah. And he was really good at it. Yeah. You know? I wish he was a little bit, I, I wish they had more of him in, uh, My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. I thought his, uh, his judge was a little bit underplayed. Because you know, yeah. you're playing a judge, so all you're doing is you're listening to what people are saying. And I think really the only interaction that he would have is like, you know, you got to come back and you've got to act like you know, a lawyer. Yeah. You know, it's just very, very deadpan and straight. But, uh, yeah, other stuff that he's done, I mean, he's he's really good. Yeah. I, I have to imagine he didn't really, a lot of the people involved in it didn't think that was going to be like an awards contender movie. <laughs> I'm still amazed Marissa Tomei won an Oscar yeah. for that movie. That I don't think that would ever happen again, especially for like a comedic best supporting actress. Right. Like Oscar, never happen again. Yeah, I don't know who was up. Uh, other nominees. Um, before Suspiria, they played the trailer for, uh, The Favorite, that uh-huh. the New Yorkos, Lanthimos movie. Yeah. Maybe that could go, because, like, it seemed like it was very, like, deadpan, like a weird... Oh, I want to see that. Like a Barry Lyndon comedy thing. I know there's, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a... The screen, comedy version of Barry there's Lyndon. There's a screening for it this weekend I can't go to. It's the same time as Wreck-It Ralph. Uh-huh. I'm like, god damn it. Yeah, that's a, that's a coin toss. But, I mean, you know, you'll, you'll yeah. eventually see it anyways. Yeah. You know, because, like, and see, like, The Killing of a Sacred Deer was one of those movies, like, when the first time I saw it, I really hated it. But then I saw it more, and I, like, really liked it. Yeah, that one gets under your skin. Yeah, it's, like, that movie's really disturbing. I, I really like that movie. I still don't really like The Lobster. I feel like that one, I feel like my opinion is set on. It's really disturbing. Mm-hmm. You know, I sing you guys to that one. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I loved it. Yeah. But, the, you know, that was my first exposure to the, kind of that... Uh, that kind of tone uh and that that was a24 wasn't it yeah um that's when they were just getting their 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 feet wet what's well, the green room came out before that yeah uh did which. uh which was before it too yeah um so it was a uh, swiss army man it was before that i believe Swiss Army Man, I really was surprised in it, like getting the awards of that year. Well, it's kind of just it's kind of fallen off the face face of the planet, hasn't it's it? It's really good though. It is. I would have thought that one would have stuck. Yeah. And that people would still be talking about it today, but it doesn't seem like it's uh, you know, on anyone's yeah. minds. Still, people talk about the witch. The, yeah. The witch. I was thinking about that when I was watching Suspiria yesterday. Like that one scene where the girl started like floating up the door. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, interesting. And even like, you know, like the scene towards the end of the movie that I'm not that deliberately avoided talking about. 
you know, mm-hmm. like the climax, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in comparison to Hereditary, because I know Anne made that she liked it much better than Hereditary. Um, interesting. I mean, not to harp again on Suspiria. No, well, I mean, kind of wrapping it up. But I'm, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I haven't read Kirby's review of Suspiria. I know he posted a cult following mm-hmm. .co because I didn't want to have it. Well, there's not enough child murder for him right? in Suspiria. So. Um, and Hereditary is going to win just because it has that child decapitation. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? But I know he was like, duh, this is it. This is the winner. Hereditary, best movie of the year. You know, and I was like, I knew watching that movie he was going to like it because it's like The Exorcist, essentially. Right. You know, and it's super stylized. Um, I mean, I don't think I would watch Hereditary like again, but I would probably watch Suspiria again. With commentary track or not? Um, I I like watching commentary tracks. I like. Well, we do too. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the incentive for me to watch it again. Yeah. I think I'd watch it with. The I feel like there track. would be a lot of good extras too. Yeah. 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 Well, especially watching all the all the, the the dance stuff that they pulled their inspirations from. Yeah. If they include any of that stuff, I'm I'm sure it's prob some of that's probably in the public domain at this point. Yeah. Or they could at least get the permissions because you know big Hollywood movie. Yeah. Who put it out? Um, it was Amazon. Oh, Amazon Studios. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Which that's really interesting to see that Amazon is you know. No, the, Amazon, the Amazon figured it out. Remember, they put out Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. So they, like, do the big release. It's Netflix that, like, doesn't get the theatrical distribution right. thing. Right. You know, like, they buy up big movies and then they die because no one can find them on Netflix. Right. You know. And it's like, I have a bunch of, like, the Netflix movies just because I get screeners of them that, like, will never get. Like, I have Okja. You know, I have an actual copy of Okja. Hmm. That'll never get, like, an actual dvd release yeah i guess i never thought of that yeah like no physical copies yeah of stuff that's like directly like netflix yeah produced. and it's just weird i feel like you know like but then they put out like dvds of like house of cards or like orange is the new black oh yeah episodes yeah yeah it's very strange i don't know like I mean, I like that this year, at least with the screener stuff, they've been sending interesting stuff. Like, they sent me, like, a little screenplay for Isle of Dogs. It was, like, a storybook. And they sent me, like, a Mondo print of the Suspiria art, mm-hmm. which I put up before I saw the movie. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to leave it up because I liked it about and I thought the art was yeah. good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm selling that. Like, uh, that Halloween poster, though. Like, I'm just kind of over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and I get yeah, I get my my picks on posters, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll just rotate through stuff. I yeah. mean, you know, I've I've gotten posters for other people, and then they're just like, "Well, I don't have any room for this." I said, "Well, you got posters up now, right?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, eventually, just like take down your zombie poster and put up your Mandy poster. You right. know, I mean, switch stuff out. I mean, do you just want to be in a a museum house that mm-hmm. is the same every time you walk in. That's a good point. Yeah. At the very least, though, like in, in here, I know, like I have a zombie poster for people. Uh, we're gonna have to do video podcasts eventually because <laughs> that's the whole reason they set this place up like this. Um, 
it's from when I showed Zombie in 2K mm-hmm. at Cult Classics. That's the actual poster that was up at the Royale. And I kept it all like eight years till I got a frame for it. So, you know, that one will stay up. And then, like, that's the neon poster I got behind the Oddfest. It's signed by, like, all the composers. Out of the but band. see, there's like, there's like no. Like, so these three, I'm curious. Yeah. That one, I've, I've, like, rotated over and over and over. Because it's not like when you take a poster out of the frame and put a different one up that you're going to yeah. toss the poster into a, yeah. into the trash or whatever, have to give it away. I mean, yeah. I, it's. I guess that phrase is starting to grate on me because it's it's kind of ridiculous to say stuff like that. It and it almost kind of says, "Well, do I want another poster?" I mean, eh. that's unrealistic. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> it's like no, I still got a tube that has like stuff that we rotate through. I mean, you know, for the last I don't know how long I've been alive forty four years. Yeah, of poster collecting and and some stuff I have had traded or thrown away or whatever just because of the condition or. Uh, just knew I didn't want to hang on to it anymore. Somebody else would appreciate it more, but there, there are ones that I have that, uh, is just like, well, that's not the flavor of the month. Yeah. This one is, I'm putting it up. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I have all, I still have all my DC expanded universe posters just because like, I like the posters and yeah. like the characters and movies are not the best movies. Well, even like, you know, all the figures that are sitting around here, even the ones that I have at my house, yeah. we like to go, all right. Uh, we're mixing it up. We're changing the living room today, and we'll yeah, take the I whole day and just time. like move stuff around. We have maybe two bins where we throw some stuff in that we're not going to display for that amount of time until we feel like we want to, you know, change things around again. It's like well, you know, it's it's for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just don't want to get so bored with how everything is, or feel like oh my gosh, we've hit a wall. And now we have to start selling stuff off because we just got too much crap. Yeah. No. No. I tell Kirby that all the time. It's just like rotate. Don't hold it. <laughs> yeah. He knows. He loves Kirby. Well, and you, and you got to display stuff. I mean, that's that's another thing, too, is just, I don't know. I, I guess I don't necessarily subscribe anymore to just buying stuff for the sake of buying stuff and then putting yeah. it in storage and and just letting it not see the light of day. I want to look at my shit. I want to open the boxes. I want to, like, put it together. Sorry, you know, hey, that, you know, the Jack Burton, the Big Trouble Little China figures are selling for buco bucks, but I'm taking it out of the packaging and oh, putting yeah. it on the shelf. No. I, <laughs> this is not for resale purposes. This is for me. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, I, I've got those same figures that Adam's talking about, like the Big Trouble Little China figures from, like, 20 years ago, and it's, like, I struggled to put that collection over together over years. You know, like I got Ekchem, Lopan, mm-hmm. um, oh God, I can't remember, um, this, the Chinese guy. What's his name? Oh, uh, uh Jack's friend. Yeah. Yeah. Chow? Something. And then I got the crazy wild beast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I set them up. I got them. It took me forever to get that collection together. They are displayed prominently on my top shelf in my office next to my giant at 209 and Robocop because those are my two favorite 80s movies. Next to the videotape, next to the laser disc. And it's like, I went to Las Vegas and they had like golden Buddha statues at the mm-hmm. exact same scale to put next to Lopan. So I bought a fuck ton of little Buddha statues, you know, because that's my jam, you know? And it's like, it, at a certain age, you gotta just, you know, find your space, display the stuff you love, because, you know, it's like, be, 
you know, you gotta have fun with your life, you know? Oh, yeah. And I don't want to be one of these people who, like, their house, and I've been to many of these people's houses, I'm not judging, I'm not gonna say people's names, you go there, it looks like a toy store with, like, everything in boxes, boxes, boxes. Right. That's like, open it. Are you, like, gonna, like, you're, like, you know, my age, are you, like, gonna open a toy store, or do you really think <laughs> at some point you're gonna sell all these? Yeah, and retire on it or something. Yeah, and it's, like, that plastic yellows, you're better off just opening and getting, like, some play out of it. Because, you know, the next person who buys it is going to open it. I bought many of person's collection that, like, the second I bought it, I ripped open the box. And it's like, <gasps> you know? Yeah. You know, not to fuck with them, but it's like, yeah, I don't need the box. I just, I don't, I don't allow myself to see the monetary value in, in any of this stuff. Yeah. For me, it's just, it's just personal reasons why I have them. Or there's something about it that I really like. And I just want to look at it now and again, or share it with other people who might come over to the house and, and go, you know. And then it it it's it's a conversation starter for sure. Yeah. Um. And and we're in the unique position where no, we don't have you know we don't have kids, so we do have expendable cash. Yeah. After paying those bills, um, that's what we decide to spend our money on. Some people spend it in other ways, their money or whatever they decide to do with it. But uh, I'm not protective of, you know, I think I've kept a couple of the boxes, you know, just kind of smooshed them down yeah. or collapsed them and then and put them away for, for some things, uh, mostly like those those uh, sideshow collectible things yeah, um, that are actual like pieces of art statue type stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I bought a few things for the pack and kept the packaging if it was really nice, you know, like. Just things I wanted to have, like I bought like those '80s uh, tops horror cards. Like I was like the way the box looked all full for display. So literally, yeah. I have a box that's full of unopened cards just because I like looking at it. Yeah, you know, it's like what? Why? It's like what am I going to do with a box of open cards? I'd rather just like you know look at something cool. You know? Yeah, but it, it you know, and I think when we had our our. Uh, collector's episode way back in the yeah. day. You, you realize after a, a certain amount of time, yeah, there's things that are actually worth money, but then th- things being made now are made in like the, the hundreds of thousands, you know, out of, you know, millions of copies of whatever, whether that be a comic book or, or whatnot. And it's all supply and demand, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's only worth what it is to the other person is willing to pay for it is, is what it's worth, whether it's rare or not. Um, yeah. And anything that says collector's item is n- not a collector's item. Oh, yeah. It's all I've, just worth. I've bought many a day where it's like a limited edition of 15000 And I'm like, how is that a limited edition? Like A, a limited edition is like 100 Yeah. 25 or something like that. But yeah, I'm not a flipper. I've I don't think I've ever bought anything with the mindset of uh, you know I'm going to turn around and sell this to make a profit. I think I learned a lot from uh, buying comic books back as a teenager. Yeah, and I remember buying the uh, the McFarlane Spider-Man. This is when they started doing all like the foil covers and all the oh, different yeah, variant yeah, yeah. covers, uh, and you felt compelled to buy every single one of them. Um, because what I would tell my dad is like, this could be worth something someday. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. And he's he always asked me about my comic books because I still have I still have them. 
uh, in boxes. Uh, he, he, he would always say, well, you still got all those comic books? I said, yeah, I still have my comic books. He said, you should sell them. You should sell them. <laughs> sell them. It's like, you know what? Really, they're not worth that much money. I have a couple that are maybe worth like a, you know, around a hundred bucks or something. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's not a rainmaker. It's not going to put me into retirement. I'm mean, unless you're, you know, a serious, serious collector. Yeah. And you're doing it for that purpose. Isn't like Nick Cage doesn't, isn't he like crazy? Doesn't he collect? Oh yeah. I think he like, uh. Didn't he just buy like Superman? No, no. Or action comics or something? Was he had like. Uh, action comics one in this huge collection we married lisa marie presley she thought that that was kind of juvenile so he sold it all off oh and then God. when they got divorced he bought it all back up again <laughs> that's, that's, that's why he has no money right yeah well i think the thing i thought was hilarious was people joked that at one point he had like the big one of the biggest elvis collections in the world and then Mary Lisa Marie Presley. So he's like, oh, you got the ultimate Elvis collectible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, women aren't odd. Well, Michael Jackson, same thing. Right? Yeah. He wanted it all, too. Yeah. So funny. No, and that's that's the world we live in, folks. Everybody's kind of a little bit nerdy, but it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't got nothing else. Yeah, I think that was pretty good. Uh, it's almost two hours, so you're welcome. There we go. Go on a, a go on a, like a car ride and listen to it. <laughs> Can make it to well, how long does it take to get to Tucson? Two hours. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this like bonus episode of Cult Following. Uh, join us next time as we keep slightly inching our way up to 100. I think this is like episode 92 or 93. Wow. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, and uh, check us out at the Alamo Draft House, November 20th. It's uh, Pet Cemetery. Uh, Terror Tuesday in December is going to be the thing. And in January, it's West Craven Shocker. I think tickets for uh, the thing in Pet Cemetery available now at Draft House dot com slash phoenix or as always you can get your tickets on the draft house app find it on itunes or the, the apple app store whatever it's called or google play is it the app store uh-huh. i don't remember i used to know about apples and oranges we went to uh the apple orchard in minnesota yeah i heard about that it was pretty yep. good that really? that was always the thing to do uh every year I think we did it in, in grade school. They would take us up to a, to an orchard. Yeah. And we would make our own uh, apple ciders. You know, they showed you how all that stuff was done. And then, you know, the coring machines and stuff like that. That was always, that's a good memory. Yeah. Going up to the to the farm. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And, yeah, you can always check out Adam's stellar projection ability, ability at the Alamo Draft House, primarily in Tempe. Primarily in Tempe. Yeah, where we show 35 millimeter. Yes. So hopefully that'll start ramping up next year. I'm starting to build a, a private collection. Of that'll stuff. be good. Hopefully so. we can get to like doing 35 at Terror Tuesday. That would be nice. Yeah. Get those butts in the seats. Yeah. I need to ask some people if they have some 35 water prints. Make that happen. You know, so I don't have to like argue about getting a print. Like, I know somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not that hard to find. Yeah. I've, I've already made some connections, so. That works. Either I'm going to own it or I'm going to 
you know, borrow it from another collector who, who does that. Owning all the 35 millimeter prints. All to, of them. I used to ever have, made. I used to have a friend who owned a lot of prints, but she was not good at keeping them in good condition. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, she had Wonder Woman that, that wanted to have a big poster for it, Alamo Chandler. Uh huh. And never screened. She, like, bought it and never got to screen it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or she sold it. I'm like, dude, at least screen it once, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. Such is life. The future is ours. Yeah, I know. I could have gone a, a 35 millimeter print of zombie at one point for a hundred bucks. Um, oh, I hate hearing all those stories. Dude, I, I talked to at uh, the time. It's like, well, maybe I'll need it one day. And I'm like, no, 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 don't get into that. You don't want to store it. And I'm like, fuck, I should have just bought it. Yeah. Yep. No, I've heard all those stories too. Yeah. The I think the copy of a uh, sleepaway camp that's in the Agfa archive. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy, a guy out here used to own it. And it played at uh, Center Point once at Madcap. Mm-hmm. And that was that scene screen that Kirby always talks, to, talks about where he flew in early to watch Texas Chainsaw 2 and the guy decided not to screen it because there was no, nobody who bought tickets. <laughs> I'm like, how would that even happen? Good God. All right. Yeah. So we're rambling, folks. But uh, join us next time. As always, tell your friends, subscribe. Uh, we're just going to start rotate, try to rotate many of our usuals in here until we get uh, a stable enough schedule we can get the whole crew here again together at some point. So as I ramble, sorry I got a little bit of a cold, folks. Uh, join us next time on Cult Following. Goodbye.